So we're continuing in our series in Matthew, and now we're in chapter 6. And uh, this series is called An Audience of One, and the idea behind it is that our relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship. And so we want to live this relationship as though uh, God were the only one watching. And what Jesus is doing uh, in the beginning of chapter 6 is he's giving a warning And he's basically saying, once your relationship with God becomes something besides a relationship with God, once it becomes something about performing for someone else, uh, we're in trouble. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I've uh, titled this sermon, uh, God Loves a Stingy Giver. God loves a stingy giver. We want to be stingy givers. And of course, you guys know that this is just a pastor's trick, that stingy actually stands for something good. And so I can't fool you guys. You guys are already, you know all my secrets. So uh, what's, what's happening here is Jesus is coming into a section of Scripture where he's giving three acts of worship, giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, th- those aren't all our acts of worship, but Jesus is touching on these three as kind of examples of how we live a life uh, for people rather than uh, for God. And so uh, this morning, I have, I'm trying to do something different. I'm trying to preach just from the, the thing here. You'll notice I had uh, a lot more time this morning uh, uh, or this week. And so basically what I do to prepare for a sermon is I, I go through commentaries and I go through the word and then, and then I come up with all my points. And then if I have time, I, I make them really uh, unbelievably creative, like uh, stingy for giving. And then uh, if I have time. So anytime you see stuff flying around the screen, you'll go, oh, he got his sermon done early this week. That's exactly what that means. So let's go ahead and, uh, and take a look. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Be careful, man, I can't see that. Be careful, uh, do not, uh, not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We're talking about play acting. I I brought this up last week, but I wanted to read uh, the message version of this because I think it's really uh, uh, um, timely. It says this, Be especially careful when you are trying to do good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. See, there's two words that are used uh, in this section of Scripture we're going over. One is to be seen by men, and that Greek word is where we get our word theater from. Don't make it a theatrical production. And then it says, as the hypocrites do. And that word hypocrite is essentially an actor on stage. So Jesus is using this terminology of why are we making our relationship with God something so dear and so important? Why are we throwing it aside and making it a big performance? Why is it theater? There's a video I want to show that um, demonstrates this. And so I don't know if you got the sound up for that, but uh, let's go ahead and check it out. Got to point it this way.
That's like our Christian life sometimes. We, 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 we have this facade behind us. And look at me, I'm a good Christian. And all of a sudden, something happens in life. And it goes down, oh crud, what am I going to do? We come to church on Sunday, we got all the kids, they're dressed in their Sunday best, aren't we a great family? And then the next weekend, our wives leave us, or our husband leaves us. Why? Because it was all fake. Sometimes we use the facade behind us to hide something. It's not so much that that's the prop to show how great we are. Sometimes we have something in our life that we're trying to hide, so we put a little something over it. Oh, don't look at that part. It's different. This is not, this is not me. This is something else. And God wants us to have a relationship with him that is completely open. It's an audience of one. He's always speaking the truth into our lives. And we have a choice whether or not to accept it. And so uh, I wanted to review just a little bit of last week. He talks about be careful in verse 1. Beware. Watch out. And what Jesus is saying, a couple things. One is it can happen to anyone. I don't care how spiritual I am or how unspiritual I am. This is a warning to me. At any given moment, this great relationship I have with God can turn in an instant to be a performance for other people. As a matter of fact, it becomes more dangerous as we get closer to God. As we get closer to God and we begin to feel like, yeah, I'm really getting this thing down. I, I got it, you know. And then we start, we get into uh, uh, a leadership position and we start talking to people and people start calling us pastor and we start getting all these titles and we've been in the church for a long time and we're an elder now or a deacon now. And all of a sudden, it changes. And we lose the relationship part. And God says, that's not what I want. One is that it can happen to anything. The second thing is that it is a real danger. This is a real danger. Jesus doesn't say be careful or watch out just because he just feels like this is the part of the sermon where he thinks he needs to really freak people out, right? He means it. Be careful. This is a real danger. It's like beware of dog. We talked about that last week. The dog is the problem. There's a dog. It doesn't matter who you are. It shows no prejudice. If you stick your hand over there, you're going to get bit. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's a relationship between you and God. And we talked about this last week. When your passion for righteousness comes from a different motive than love for God, you will lose your reward of growing closer to God. When, when you want to be righteous, you want to live a good Christian life for another reason other than being close to God, you're going to lose that reward of being close to God. It's the way God designed it. And we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. So we're talking about uh, being a, a stingy giver. The first thing is secretly. Secretly. Give secretly. If you want to be a stingy giver, give secretly. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. And then in verse 4, it says, so that your giving may be in secret, then your, heavenly fa then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The first part of being a stingy giver is to do it in secret. One of the things I love about this junior high thing is it, it gives us a chance to feed and maybe our kids aren't so needy, and maybe needy doesn't necessarily even mean hungry. There are some really needy kids. And in secret, you go to Costco, get what you need, come in, make it, clean up, and you're gone. Nobody knows. Great activity. But the idea behind it being secret is the word, when we get to, to give, 
Okay, you give to the needy, you give to the poor. Two things. One, this is after your tithe, okay? Now, I forgot to warn you guys, this is a giving message. So, bar the doors, lock them up, <laughs> nobody goes anywhere. I hope you went to the bathroom before we started, because you're not getting up. No. Uh, this is after our tithe. And the other thing is, it does, it's not out of a sense of compassion all the time. The word to give doesn't, uh, it isn't pre-qualified by, oh... Oh, I feel bad, so I'm going to give. You're giving because there's a need, whether you like it or not. And the idea of it being in secret, see, if I feel bad for somebody and I give them money, I get that feeling of bad goes away, right? I feel good. And so what ends up happening is if you don't feel bad, you give, and then you're kind of like waiting for something, like, you could at least say thank you or you have to say something to your small group of, yeah, I gave to this guy and, oh, that was so cool. Or you want to be noticed. There has to be payment. Giving secretly means you're not expecting any payment at all. No payment. So it doesn't satisfy the need of, oh, I feel so good about myself because I gave. It doesn't satisfy a need of going, look at me, I gave every, you know. I don't know why I keep doing the Adam Sandler thing, but it just keeps coming <laughs> Um, uh, and so it, 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 there's nothing you are. We are trusting our heavenly father to reward us. It's in secret. We're trusting because see, think about this. If we're doing an act of worship and it's to be seen by men or to have some type of need met or whatever, who are we worshiping? If it's an act of worship, and it's to get something like applause or to who are we worshiping? But if we're doing an act of worship, expecting nothing, offering it as a sacrifice before our God, now who are we worshiping? That's the idea behind secretly. It's for God. We're together on this. It's an audience of one. We say, I'm giving to this guy because you said so, God, and I'm trusting that you're going to supply my needs. And we'll get into a little bit of what that means. Because sometimes we can't give. We can't afford to give. And the reason why is because our spending is to be seen by men. So, so we, we go and it's like, man, I wish I had something for you, bro. But I just got a Lexus, man, and it is kicking. I love it. It's black and my neighbors think I'm hot. <laughs> right? And so we, we spend all this money to give another facade. Maybe it's not spiritual. Maybe it's because we can't stand, you know, uh, having a dirty carpet if someone were to come over or whatever. Again, I'm not coming down on anybody for having a nice car or whatever. I, the Holy Spirit has to tell us what our thing is. I can't. That's why I come up with horrible examples because the Holy Spirit's going to come up with your example. But is there anything I'm spending my money on now that's not, it's making it, impossible for me to give to the needy because I want to look good over here. It's the same thing. I can either give to look good and I get my reward or I can spend to look good and get my reward and then I have nothing for the kingdom. It's all kingdom dollars that we have. So it says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Okay, this idea of trumpet, this thing has always freaked me out because I've always really thought, who gives, I mean, in that day, did they really have a trumpet like, I'm going to give now, you know, whatever, right? 
Did, is that really what it was? And so I read a bunch of commentaries on it because I didn't know. I, and I thought that people would just see right through that. And, um, and a lot of the commentaries were talking about they did carry a silver trumpet. It was this little silver trumpet, and it, but it wasn't to announce I'm giving. The way they got around all that, which makes a lot more sense to me now, is they blow the trumpet to get the poor to come so they could hand out the money. And so the trumpet just said, you know, or whatever. I don't, no, I don't know what sound they did. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't talk about exactly what song it was. Um, but uh, they'd blow the trumpet, and then the poor would come. That makes a lot more sense to me. Because then you could blow it as loud as you want, and really it's just to get more poor people to come here so I can give them money. It's not to draw attention to myself. It's kind of like the ice cream man. The ice cream man, to a kid, when he hears the music, it's all about ice cream. The ice cream man, when he plays the music, it's all about profit. It's all about how can I get as many kids to my ice cream truck so I can make as much money as I possibly can. It's the same sound, but different. I grew up in a very multicultural neighborhood. And I, I'm not kidding. Our ice cream truck, it was, um, it was actually a family of a friend of ours, um, and they'd play Middle Eastern music out of it. So it wasn't like ding, 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 ding. You know, it wasn't like an ice cream man. Literally, the, when it would drive down the street, it would go, hi, 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 Right? I don't know what it was saying, Okay. And for anyone Middle Eastern, I'm not trying to make fun of it. I didn't know. But when I heard, oh, yeah, I was like, ice cream, right? <laughs> it was probably, who knows what it was saying, you know? I, I don't know. So I cannot go to the Middle East now. I'm ruined. <laughs> morning prayer at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, oh, ice cream, you know. There I go, right? The sound, it was not the sound. It was just, it, it, it was like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> so it's the same thing to him his music meant I got to get as many I don't know why he, it worked there were lots of kids around there at morning prayer okay getting ice cream it was the intent and so we say well how does that apply to us because I you know really it's not we don't blow a trumpet we do we do you know what because it's all about our heart. So maybe, maybe I've done something during the week and I don't say a word. I don't, I don't say a word to anybody. But I'm dying to. Oh, I want to say something so bad, but I know I'm not supposed to. Oh, I, I'm dying to have someone ask me what I did today. Oh, go ahead. Ask me how my day went. Ask me how my day went. I'll tell you, I was doing all sorts of great stuff for God. Right? Maybe that's it. And maybe you don't say anything. Maybe you made it. You didn't say anything. But the desire to want to be recognized is a heart issue. It shows us. It, 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 it's a heart problem. Anytime it's not about God, it's a heart problem. So if we're dying to, to hear from somebody, if we're dying to, oh, I wish I could just say it, we need to then take that and go, Lord, why am I doing that? Why is it not enough? that I just do it for you. He will tell us. He's so faithful. That's one of the parts about God being faithful 
is that when we go to him and go, Lord, why do I want to be recognized by men? He goes, I'll tell you why. This is why. You're focused on this kingdom. Forget this kingdom. Let's focus on this one. And he can work through it. So we have our trumpets. They're our accountability group, sometimes our spouse. You know, we can get just as many strokes from our spouse, just kind of telling them what we did. To, uh, you know, I, I know we had this in the budget, but I spent it on this homeless guy or whatever. I don't know. Again, it's a bad example. So we give secretly. Secondly, we give thankfully. We give thankfully. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, we're going to be jumping kind of all over this section of Scripture. When you are an idiot like me and you make it have to say stingy, you have to like jump all over the place. So, uh, and you should have seen me trying to find those words, by the way. It was comical. Uh, I tried greedy, but I couldn't work. And I tried miser, but that didn't work. So stingy was the best one. So thankfully, thankfully, this is also expectantly, if you wanted to do greedy as your name. Uh, I tell you the truth, they received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now listen to this. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now there's a reward from God. Now my temptation, because I think, I, my temptation is to think that harder is better. So the harder I can make it on myself, the better it is. So I always think, well, I don't want to do it for a reward. I just want to do it out of love for God. I just want to do it because he's God and I'm not, you know. But that's not biblical. That is not biblical. God has designed rewards. They're all through scripture. Do this and you'll get this. You want a little something, something? Do this, right? It's all through scripture. So to say, no, no, I will only do it. You're, 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 you're against, now, uh, you're against scripture with that. God desires, he, he has good gifts for his children. He has rewards when we act the way we're supposed to act, when we do what we're supposed to do. And it's not okay to expect them. What is wrong is not to expect the reward, but to determine the reward. To say, well, I'm giving this because I need some money. That's wrong. That's sin. That's why the nonsense about the whole health and wealth thing is just ridiculous. Because you're saying, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give... And this is what you're going to give back to me. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get this car. I'm going to get this house. And God's like, you're going to get in the back of my hand. No, he doesn't say. <laughs> what are we trying to do? We're trying to determine what the gift is. No, God, God will determine that. That's what the relationship's all about. So we give thankfully going, Lord, I know you're going to reward this. I know you take care of the accounting part. I'll take care of the obedience part. So there is a reward. And the scriptures say that we have a choice. We can choose not what the reward is, but the type of reward we're going to get. If we give and we try to give it for, for man, that's it. We got our reward. It's been paid in full. As a matter of fact, that's what that Greek word is. It's a business transaction. And it says when they receive their reward in full, it means they've gotten a receipt for it. So essentially what it's saying here is when I give or I do anything, because it's not just giving, and I do it for the applause of man or the praise of man or to be noticed, I'm essentially writing a receipt to God and going, don't worry about the reward. I already had it taken care of. 
That's what you're saying. You're going, you don't, I don't need your reward. I've already got it. And so what ends up happening is, as we get into a pattern of this, God stops blessing us. I don't mean blessing us by a new car. I mean blessing us by a deeper relationship. God stops rewarding us with himself. And what happens is, we get to the end of however long, and we go, man, I just don't feel the Lord in my life anymore. Lord, I've done all this stuff. Why don't I feel close to you? And God goes, oh, well, let me see. I think I had something in. Oh, here it is. Yeah, this is it's paid in full. I have a receipt. See, it says right here, you got uh, applause and then you signed off on it and said, I didn't need to give you anything. That's what it's like. And so when we give, we want to give. Thankfully, I got way too many receipts in here. What is this one? Oh, Starbucks. What a. <laughs> What a shocker. Uh, So God's saying, I already paid you. You got paid. You paid yourself. You said I didn't owe you anything. And that isn't what God wants. God wants us to give thankfully going, Lord, I know you've got this taken care of. I'm going to wait. Because isn't that really the American culture? Our culture is really about instant gratification. Right? We don't want to wait to get married to have sex. We want to have sex now. We want it right now. And so we do, and then we get into our marriage, and it has an effect on our marriage, and we go, man, my marriage isn't the way, and God's going, ah, I had something better for you. Now, can God go back and fix things? Yes, but sometimes it still has its effect. Sometimes we give, and we, 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 want it, we give a little bit, and God's going, man, I want you to go step out in faith. I've got so much more for you. And we don't. We want the instant gratification. Check this out. We're going to spend a lot of time in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a lot of scripture. Don't get freaked out. We're going to kind of be jumping all around. But when you get home uh, this week and you're going into your small groups, one of the first small group questions is to read 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through, I think I had 11, but you should just read the whole chapter. You'll be fine. Okay, it goes like this. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is, well, is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service which, uh, by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God. Listen to this. This is going to be key. Well, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. See, we have this confession of God. He's my king. He's my Lord. He provides all my needs. Great. There's obedience that accompanies that confession. It's a thankful heart of going, yes, Lord, you have given me everything. And so I'm just giving to your kingdom. That's the idea. That's the idea. It results in thanksgiving to God. It's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's what it's talking about. Give thankfully. Give thankfully. The third one is give instinctively. Give instinctively. Now listen to this. I just want to read part, portions of Matthew 6, 2 and Matthew 6, 3. So when you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy. When, when, when you give to the needy. Now what is Jesus assuming? Jesus is assuming that you will be around needy people. That's an instinct to give to them because they're part of your community. They're part of where you are. It just happens. You see the need. You, we can't see needs unless we're by the need. 
unless we're involved in the community. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is assuming you're going to be around needy people. We have to be around needy people. We have to be, we have to connect with them. And so, see, because what ends up happening is a lot of times I hear, well, I I would give to this person, but I don't know if they're going to use it for beer or drugs or whatever. The reason we don't know if they're going to use it for beer or drugs is because we don't know them. We don't know their story. And so we want to be a people that goes out and gets to know people. We have a guy in our church that we've been helping out for a while. And so as I've begun to just talk to him and find out his story, uh, and we've begun to help him, I've begun to see a pattern in his life that's unhealthy. And we're going to stop helping this guy because I want to address this issue first and say, hey, dude, you keep talking about this pain in your life and these pain pills. All the time we talk about these pain pills. Pain pills, pain pills, pain pills. We got to address that. Because see, we, Living Spring doesn't want to be a church that invests any money in unhealthy behavior. I try not to invest any of my time in unhealthy behavior. We want to resource and invest in healthy steps. But, and so, so when we give to people, when we give to that guy on the street corner, that's fantastic. Right? But, if, but we say we want to use discernment, then get to know that guy. And you're like, how am I going to get to know the guy on the street corner? It's really not that hard. Now, the guy, if they're at the freeway exit, it's difficult because you're like, hey, how's it going? You know, whatever. Okay. (laughs) But begin to look around who's needy in your community. Get to know them. Get to know them. It's really cool. People are always interested in telling their story. And that's all it has. Hey, so tell me, what's going on? How did you end up here? If you're not offending them, they'll go, oh, I'll tell you, I was in the war. I did this. I did that on my... Oh, okay, Here, let me help you out. So all, that's all it is. That's all it is. We do it in secret. We do it thankfully and we do it instinctively because we know these people. Here's, I want to show you a typical church model. A typical church model is that there's a church here, us. Let's use Living Spring. It's a building and that's where Jesus is. And so uh, the people are on the outside and the whole idea is that we'll, 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 we'll get all those people on the outside to come into church, Okay. We, we want to get them in, into church because that's where Jesus is. Jesus is not here. <laughs> he's, he's in this church just as much as he's in the, the grocery store. Here's, here's the living spring model. The church is a building, okay? The idea of getting people here is to equip them to go out. That's why on our, on our, um, uh, our vision, our m- mission statement is reach, restore, and respond. Right? It's not receive, although we do that. Anyone who comes through those doors, we will love them and accept them for who they are. But the mission is to reach. It's to go out. We come here and we get equipped. And so it looks like this. As Jesus goes out of, Jesus has left the building, okay? That's what this is all about, Okay? We come in, we get equipped, we worship corporately, we get encouraged, we we get involved in small groups so that we can go out, so that we can reach. Living Spring will reach, by God's grace, will reach our neighborhood and the surrounding community with the love of the Father. We don't bring people to church, we draw them to Christ, to ourselves. So your neighbor, you might not ever invite him to church. 
you might just get them into your small group, which is probably the, the most healthy place for them to go. Uh, even though church is cool, I, I'm, I'm all for church. <laughs> um, but, but the best place for them to go is into your small group where you know they're going to be cared for. Because you come on Sunday morning and you praise and split and there's no way to take care of them. And so, so we bring the bag of food, we invite them to the small group, they enter into community, and then they come to church and we share in this great celebration that we have on Sunday mornings. And the gospel shared and, and all that kind of stuff. And you say, well, I, I, don't, I can't have them come to me. My life isn't perfect. Exactly. So we need to begin to ask ourselves, see, the, the, the stakes are higher this way, are they not? All of a sudden, if, I, if, if, if I'm responsible to leave here and I represent Jesus, I might need to change some things in my life. That's the way God designed it. It should be instinctively. Okay? Let me show you real quickly what that looks like uh, in the scriptures. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers so that we can come every Sunday and listen to them and get spiritually fed so that we have all the knowledge we can in our doctrine. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got confused. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. The building up of the body of Christ isn't necessarily that these pews get filled up. God's keeping track of everybody. If, if there were five people here, but we had a hundred small groups going, he knows. It does. I mean, I might get fired, but at least we got a bunch of small groups going with people in them, <laughs> right? So for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, that's the thing. When we give to the needy, it doesn't have to be with, oh, and by the way, I, before you take this money, I've got to give you the four spiritual laws or else it won't count. So God has a wonderful plan for your life, blah, 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 blah. In sharing with the needy, we're sharing the very gospel. We're always going to have poor people with us. We're sharing Christ with them when we share. 2 Timothy 3.16, we know this scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training, and righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. When we're trained and we're equipped, this stuff happens instinctively. We're, 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 We're led by the Spirit and we go, you know what, I need to take care of that need right there. It becomes part of our instinct. Why? Because we've been trained in it. We're equipped in it. It's not just an act of, oh, I better give my $5 this week. <clears throat> it happens naturally. It happens naturally. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This should happen naturally. Have you ever seen... Um, okay, so when I play guitar, like I don't take guitar solos because... <laughs> wow, that would be bad. But uh, if I'm doing scales, I concentrate. I mean, every little bit of me is focused on that scale. And my fingers go like this, and they, they're all awkward, and they clamp down, and I'm trying to pick at the right time. It's awkward. It's unnatural for me. And then you watch someone like Kai play, or someone who really knows how to play, and their fingers barely leave the fretboard. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Right? Barely leave. Just right? The left hand is doing its thing. The right hand, the left hand's doing its thing, and the right hand's doing its thing. 
They're working together, but the, le- the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. It's natural. It's muscle memory. It's just, it's just, it just happens. The, left hand, the right hand doesn't go, oh, he's going to this string now. Oh, oh I wasn't prepared. That's awkward. It just, goes, it just happens. They work together. All right? That's what this is talking about. It's not talking about hiding. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Dun, dun, you know, oh, can still, what's going on? Nothing, nothing. I don't see it. Right? It's not like that. It's that it's natural. When I go like this, I talk like this. My left hand doesn't have, a, it's too busy. My left hand is too busy to know what my right hand is doing. They're working together. Why? Because I got one central computer that's guiding and directing them. That's what our giving should look like. It shouldn't be awkward. It shouldn't be a big deal. Have you ever seen a kid 13 or 14 in a suit? <laughs> One of my favorite things to watch. It's so unnatural. It's so like, you know, stiff and robotic, right? It's so just... But then you see a guy on Wall Street and he's waving things. I'll take... 40,000 shares of that, he's moving around. He doesn't even think about the suit. Why? Because he's grown accustomed to it. It's become natural. This is what it's like. Natural. Our giving should be natural. Our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. We give, we don't even know. Remember, I talked about this a little while ago, was sometimes our biggest audience is ourself. We want to look good to ourselves. We want to feel better about ourselves. And so we give and we go, you know, now I can... Sleep at night. I feel much better about myself. The idea of giving naturally is that you don't even notice. You give the money and you write the check, whatever. You go, you take the bag of groceries to somebody's house. You don't, you don't it's not even a thing. That's, that's being a stingy giver. That's giving naturally. That's what the idea is about. And when we are equipped this and trained, this happens naturally. It's like the left hand and right hand. We don't think anything about it. That's where we want to get as givers. It's not a big deal. We don't worry and fret about, well, what are you going to do now? It's just natural. This is what God requires. Natural. Check this out. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When I was 13 or 14 and I had to go to my sister's wedding, I wore a tux under compulsion, okay? It was reluctantly. It was unnatural. It was, I walked around like this. I hated it. I made my parents know I don't like this. And I do it like, oh, oh no, Sometimes we're givers like that. It's not natural. We just go, no, Lord. If I do that, I won't be able to afford this. It needs to be natural. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. See, if we go to our hearts, we say, well, that's letting me off the hook. Really, isn't it? I'll give whatever's on my heart. Here's a penny. I feel great about that. (laughs) It's what's ever on my heart. I give cheerfully. But if we really examine our hearts truthfully, then we go, well, is a penny really what I should be giving? I mean, is this really what the Lord requires at this time? Maybe it is. Jesus was really stoked about some lady giving two pennies. 
It depended on her situation. She gave two pennies, and Jesus is like, I'm telling you, she gave more than anybody else. It was dependent on her. And so we give naturally. We determine in our heart. We go before the Lord. And we say, Lord, what would you have? And then we give it. And we don't think about it. It's no big deal. We let him take care of it. We give generously. Generously. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. This is a long section of scripture. There's going to be another section after it. Hang with me. But basically, in 2 Corinthians... It's a church just like the American church. They talk a great talk, and Paul's writing them letters going, you guys are knuckleheads. That's exactly what's happening here. What happened was the Corinthian church had decided to give a great gift to Paul. And Paul knows, oh, there's a good chance they're not going to follow through with this. But in yakking about giving a great gift and, and carrying on about what they're going to do, they got the Macedonians all fired up. So the Macedonians are given and they're getting, you know, they're going gangbusters. And Paul's going, man, if the Corinthian church doesn't follow through with this, that's going to really deflate the Macedonians. So he writes this letter and basically he says, hey, guys, that is awesome that you're going to give. Fantastic. I'm going to send some people to go get that gift. And I'm writing you a letter to tell you they're coming. And it would be awfully embarrassing and he says, basically, to you and to me and the Macedonians, if they get there and you got nothing. So he's trying to tell them, they're coming. You better get your gift ready. Then he says this. This is a famous verse here. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Again, we read this. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in the uh, that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you want to cut that off from God? Then be, sting- then be a miserly giver. Now, be a stingy giver. You want to be a stingy giver. But be a miser. Be a penny pincher. Be like, ah, I can give God this much. You'll shut, you'll shut off his blessing. And again, his blessing is not financial. Sometimes it is. Do we want to experience more of God? Everybody says, yes, I do. I say, yes, I do. And then it comes down to really costing me something. I want to give you two life situations, and you tell me which one you want. So we have one set of beliefs that I really wish were true, but is not. If I give to God, he's going to see that, and he's going to be really happy with me, and he's going to start to bless me. And I can't outgive God. So I'm going to give him a bunch and then I'm going to get this next job and this promotion and this raise. And then I'm going to get a nice house. And it's all going to show that God's blessing me because God does this. And God shows when you, when you give him, he gives you 10 times as much and it's going to show up in health. You're not going to get sick. You're going to have enough faith and you're going to, it's going to show up in money and you're going to really get, and then you'll be able to give more money. That's one life journey. You can take. What if I give, I tithe, which is 10% of my giving, which is a requirement under the word of God, and I, I can't afford it. 
And so I begin to go, oh, man, this is Lord. You're going to have to do something here. You're going to have to make up the slack because I can't do it. And so you begin to pare down. You begin, okay, I got to get on a budget. That's what Gary's small, Gary and Cece's small group is about, getting on a budget so that we can live the life God wants us to live in freedom from debt. We don't give our way out of it. We obey our way out of it. And so we, we get involved in this and we're still tied in and it's hard and we lose our house and we have to rent a smaller, smaller apartment and we got to cram all five kids into this small apartment. And we're giving to people and we can't afford it and we're, we're paring down and paring down and paring down and we can't give to our retirement now because we can't afford it. But we're taking care of God first and we end our life in a rental with not that much retirement, totally dependent on God. Which, which one? I, I really want the rich one. Okay, I really do. But Jesus said, it's really difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And let me ask you a question. If it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, why would God bless us by making us rich and therefore making it more difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would God say, I'm going to make it really difficult for you to to get all you can out of the kingdom. Here's a million dollars. Trust in that. Praise God. Why would he do that? Now, it's not one or the other, church. Okay? It's not like if I, the poorer I get, the more spiritual I am, and the richer I get, the more. But God is speaking to each one of us to make a choice to give generously and to trust him for whichever plan he has. God has a wonderful plan for your life. It might be to not have a retirement and live in a condo. Some apartment building. That can't be a wonderful plan for my life. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) So check this out. Second Corinthians goes on. It says this. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of what? Your bank account? No, of your righteousness. The more righteous we are, the closer we are to God, the more we can deal with whatever comes our way. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Generous givers Trusting in God for whatever path he's going to take us down. And guys, I, I don't mean to harp on the tithing thing. I, again, I'm not, I, I'm not about that. But when we don't give generously, when we don't follow the model God has for us and then expect all this blessing and to be closer to God, it ain't going to happen. Lastly, we, is yieldingly. Yielding, this was the one I had a hard time with. Yieldingly isn't a word we typically use, but it ends in Y. It starts in Y, and it works with my uh, stingy thing. Listen to this. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Okay, so you got this great relationship with God. Oh, I tell people all the time, uh, God's changed my life. I can trust in him. Don't you want to trust in him? He's the king. He sits on the throne. Suppose a brother and sister is without clothes and daily food. 
If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We have a responsibility to the poor, to those who can't make it, to give to them. But most of the time, I was watching a video this week, it's not because we don't love God, it's because we're broke. We don't have any money. And the reason we don't have any money is because we haven't, we're no different. We haven't chosen to live differently so that we can bless the poor. In Deuteronomy, it says this. Give generously to him and do, do so without a, grudging, without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you, to be open-handed towards your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. I command you to do that. It's a command, if you didn't get that from the two times I said command. But we get this idea that we don't live a yielding life to God. I don't. And so when I give, I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Now, again, we use our brain. So if somebody can't handle their finances and they're like, man, I can't make my house payment, but they have an Xbox and a PlayStation 2 and they got all this stuff, you go, you know what, dude, I'm not giving you any money because you need to be faithful here. But we, we have this idea sometimes that when we give, we're doing somebody a favor. We're doing God a favor. I, I have a friend named Paul who's a missionary in Indonesia, and he tells a story about when he came to the States. Somebody said, hey, Paul, I want to meet with you and have lunch and I'd because like, I'd like to set up some giving with you. And so Paul's like, oh, okay, great. So they go out to lunch, and they're eating lunch, and the guy takes this little piece of paper. Do I still have this? Yeah. He takes this little piece of paper. They're at lunch, and he goes, hey, I, I've written a number on this piece of paper. And uh, he slides it across the table, like, like they're negotiating some type of land deal or something, right? He slides it over, and he says, you can expect that every month. So Paul's like, you know, thanks, <laughs> freaky <laughs> right and he's like you can go ahead and open it and take a look so paul, paul opens up it's 25 dollars right Woo! Wow. every month wow right the guy's like yeah every month wow so my friend paul is super gracious right but that's how we are with god we don't give yieldingly. We give like, oh, and by the way, you can expect that every month. <laughs> and God's up there going, Jesus, we can have steak tonight. John, I didn't walk. I wasn't expecting this. It's windfall profits. It's not yielding. See, what we should say is, Lord, I want you to write a figure on this piece of paper. And you slide it across the table to me. And whatever it is, that's what I'm going to give. <laughs> and you might go, oh, crud. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you what. Why don't you erase a couple zeros and slide it on back? <laughs> Yielding is you do it. You write the number on. And I'll obey that. God loves a stingy giver. Here we are again. Secretly, we give secretly. 
So let it go through its little thing. There we go. Now I regret doing that now. <laughs> Thankfully, instinctively, naturally, generously, and yieldingly, if that's even a, It is a word I looked it up. That's what God wants. You know how we give? We give it. What happened? Oh, oh, sting. Sometimes it does sting in life when we give a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> stingy. There we go. It's not stingy, by the way. It's stingy. And let's get out of there quickly. Okay? Cool. You can go ahead and switch, uh, switch things. Listen, this is what God wants. Ultimately, he wants our heart. That's what it's about. He wants our heart. So when you say, oh, man, he's telling me I got to tithe. Yeah, you have to tithe. Why? Because God knows that gets you right here. We are in love. We are